Today on CityCast Chicago, you may have seen that recent article in the New York Times about Chicago and the climate crisis. Well, here's the gist of it. It's not just the coast. Something is really going on with Lake Michigan. In the last decade, it was at record lows, making marinas look like dirt paths. Last year, it hit record highs, disappearing beaches and flooding streets. That article, it really covered a lot of ground and a lot of it's pretty scary. And because it was so expansive, I think it left a lot of people just wondering like, well, what the heck do we do with this now? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? It's Tuesday, July 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran and this is CityCast Chicago. The article's called A Battle Between a Great City and a Great Lake. And after I read it, I needed someone to explain what I had just read. Justin Keller pays very close attention to water. It's his job. He works at Chicago's Metropolitan Planning Council. They do all the research and then tell city leaders and developers how to make Chicago equitable and sustainable. Before we get into what's happening with Lake Michigan, we needed some history about how the city gets that good Lake Michigan drinking water and gets rid of that bad river water. They reversed the flow of the Chicago River because previously the Chicago River was effectively an open sewer that flowed towards the lake. And so all of that raw sewage was going into uh, Lake Michigan uh, close to where we were withdrawing water. So the idea was to reverse the flow of the Chicago River to send all of our raw sewage downstream. The, the problem that we're having, which is talked about in the article, is that when the river is too high, so there's a lot of rain, it overwhelms the sewer capacity. They have to open the locks and discharge that untreated sewage back out into the lake. Uh, it happens. Uh, we are able to treat the water and still able to drink it. But if it keeps happening, it's, it's a challenge that we need to, to figure out. So basically, the river can't handle too much rain, but it can't handle too little either. So why are we swinging so dramatically between drought and flooding? Climate change is the answer there. On a lot of coastal cities, they're dealing with sea level rise. And are they going to be able to continue to exist if they're overwhelmed by the ocean? In Western states, they're dealing with uh, wildfires. But in the Midwest, the main impact of climate change is changing precipitation patterns. And I think that you just have to think about what the lakes are. They're essentially just real big bathtubs. So Lake Superior drains into Lake Huron. Uh, Lake Michigan also actually drains into Lake Huron. Those go into Lake Erie, down to Lake Ontario, and then go out to the Atlantic Ocean. So if you think about uh, a bathtub, it's filled with a large volume of water, but there's just that small drain in the bottom, and it takes time for the water to drain out in that case, or in the case of the Great Lakes, for the levels to equalize back to a normal level. And that's really what we're seeing as a result of climate change, is there's more extremes, longer periods of dry, and then suddenly all the rain comes all at one time. So as that bathtub is starting to overflow with water, that's spilling out on the floor, a.k.a. the city, where is the greatest impact of that being seen? Last summer, I was riding my bike down in uh, South Shore, and you can see waves splashing up into people's second floor window when they were 
probably excited moving into that that place. Excited to have a great view of the lake. I don't think they ever expected to be having to bail themselves out from their second floor apartment. Uh, the challenge is, is definitely people that are close to the lake, but it's not just people who live there. There's a lot of critical infrastructure, like our transportation networks that are potentially impacted. The lake levels rise, or we're constantly having these storms that are blowing uh, onto Tusaba Lakeshore Drive, for example. And it's not only people in Chicago. The, the lake is the source of water for about 50% of the state of Illinois' population. So if we're having problems with contamination, it's not just people who are in Chicago, or more specifically, people who are close to the lake that are in trouble. This is the source of water for a lot of people in the state. Yeah, I remember being a kid and our basement flooding, and that was just something we expected to happen when we got a lot of water. That seems to be more and more common. We lived in Auburn Gresham at the time, so that was far uh, uh, in from from the lake. But worst case scenarios, like are buildings in danger of more than just like you know waves crashing up them up and down the coast. Like what what's the worst case scenario if this goes unchecked? You mentioned the combined sewer overflow. Did you experience that in your own basement growing up? Yeah. I mean, at one point, our basement flooded to like knee level. Yeah. The really unfortunate part about that is that that's not just nice, clean stormwater coming into your drain. But Chicago has a combined sewer system where the sewers from the street, as well as the sewers from your home, so your toilet, shower, everything, they go into the same sewer. And when there's not enough capacity in that sewer system for more water to come in, then it backs up into people's basements. And again, that's not just nice, clean drinking water or stormwater, rainwater, whatever. No, the shit smells file. <laughs> that's right. It's, uh, it's untreated sewage in people's basement. Uh, so that's obviously a public health issue, but it's also a, a major concern because people are not able to build equity in their homes. It's hard to build your way out of that when you're in a neighborhood that's experiencing basement backups. And there's been reporting that a lot of the urban flooding that's taking place, a lot of the places that experience these, these sewer backups into the basement are the neighborhoods that are populated by predominantly black and brown people. So I, again, there needs to be a more concerted effort in to addressing this issue to make sure that everyone throughout the city is protected from, among other things, raw sewage backing up into their basement. Yeah. Speaking of people across the city, I know you looked at the issues that were reported in this, these articles very closely, you know, but what do we do? What do city leaders, developers, you know, these homeowners do? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough challenge. Uh, I think that we've been trying as a region to manage stormwater for a, a long time since our inception. Currently, we are still in the midst of a 30 plus year long project. You might have heard of the deep tunnel or the tunnel and reservoir plan. So when the uh, existing stormwater infrastructure is filled to capacity, it overflows to this deep tunnel system, and then it goes out to these larger reservoirs, essentially, these former quarries. And that's just a, a storage basin until there's enough capacity in the water reclamation plants to take that water in, treat it, and then send it off downstream. This is a project that started in the 1970s and is still not complete. There's one more section of it that has yet to be brought online, and that's going to increase the capacity significantly. I don't know if there's another big project like that or that there's enough political will to undertake another 30-year, multi-billion dollar project 
to address the region's stormwater problems. But as far as the, the high lake levels and the problems that we're having with erosion, people having water splashing into their second floor window, uh, that's something that we need to take the long view on. We need to have some planning to figure out how do we address this? What are the infrastructure solutions where we're mimicking the natural environment of the lakeshore even? So having natural plants uh, there rather than just having concrete barriers and hoping that they're going to be tall enough. You said it's going to take political will. What's going to give leaders that willpower? What's going to light the fire under them? Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about that tunnel and reservoir plan or the deep tunnel plan, I don't know how they got that passed. It's going to take 30 years. It's going to be tens of billions of dollars, and we're going to partially fix the problem. Uh, I just can't see that happening again. But then somebody told me, that project came about because people were angry about all the flooding and demanded that their leaders do something. That's exactly the same thing that's going to be required this time around. People demanding both that leaders in Chicago or in Northeastern Illinois take concerted effort to do something about this, as well as at the federal level to provide funding that the city and state needs to be able to tackle these big problems. Well, I'm glad this issue is on more people's radar. Justin Keller from the Metropolitan Planning Council. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Chicago. Happy to be here. Thanks. Some good news to get you through. Our CityCast family is growing as we're expanding into eight new cities. Boise, Houston, Las Vegas, Nashville, Oakland, Omaha, Pittsburgh, and Salt Lake City, we are coming to town. And so if you know anybody who is talented and loves their city more than anyone else, let us know. Remember, for more Chicago stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.